Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Monday and happy Valentine's Day. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Craft beef, better than organic chicken, shipped right to your front door. Super affordable. Just go to goodranchers.com slash alley. All right, so today is Valentine's Day, and guys, I have an amazing Valentine's Day-themed episode for you. We are also going to talk about a little bit of news in the interview that I am about to play for you, but the first part of this interview between our friend Samuel Say, whom we've had on, I think, twice before, and his fiance Annie, is about their love story from 2017 to today. He is Canadian. She's American. They have had to jump through so many hoops to finally be together and get married in a couple of months. You guys are going to be so encouraged uh, listening to their story. I can almost guarantee you're going to cry some happy tears a couple of times and also just their proclamation of the Lord's goodness and faithfulness, even through all of the struggles that they've had over the past few years. Politics also play into their story and the difficulty uh, the difficulty that they've had finally coming together, being together. And so you're just going to love their story. And then after we hear all of that, we're going to transition into talking about the trucker convoy and the protests that are still happening in Canada against the vaccine mandates and the COVID restrictions. Like I said, Samuel is Canadian. And so um, his heart in a lot of ways is tied to Canada and the freedom of the Canadian people. He's going to set the record straight because we keep hearing again that this is some kind of fascist white supremacist movement. If you know who Samuel Say is, I think it's pretty clear that he's not a white supremacist. He's going to correct the record and give us a very heartfelt understanding, um, a heartfelt, genuine, sincere picture of what is actually going on there and the real motivations of average people who are pushing for liberty in Canada. So you're just going to love this episode. I just know for a fact this is a great Valentine's Day episode, and I'm so excited for you to hear it. So without further ado, here are our friends, Sam and Annie. Samuel, Annie, thank you both so much for joining me. Samuel, obviously, I have had you on the podcast before. Annie, welcome to Relatable for the very first time. Uh, We are going to start by talking about, well, actually, you know what? Let's, I was going to say, we want to talk about, you know, the hurdles that you guys have gone through to get to this point of actually being together in the United States. But let's back up a little bit because some of you don't, uh, some of you out there don't even know how this couple met, how this all came about. And then we'll kind of transition into all of the craziness that stood between you guys and actually being together to the point to where you can get married in a couple months. So let's start there. Whoever wants to answer how you guys met and what their relationship has been like over the past couple of years. Yeah, um, I, I can start a little bit first. So a few years ago, I wrote a, uh, an article um, on, uh, it was called, I am, I am Afraid. And it was me detailing my, all my fears, but especially, uh, ironically enough now, my fear of marriage. And at the time when I was writing about that, um, I thought that I'm being vulnerable and sharing a lot of my, my fear. So if I had any chance of um, a woman um, having an interest in me, 
after this article, that would end right there. <laughs> but somehow, God had other plans. Essentially, in the article, I explained that I grew up without a father, and and that had an impact on how I I saw marriage, and all my fears were really coming out of that. But then um, Annie ended up finding that article, and she commented on it. And there was something about just what she said about how she deals with her own fears. And then I couldn't see her face. I could only... Um, yeah, I couldn't make out her face, but I really wanted to see what she looked like. <laughs> Not knowing anything would come out of that, I just, I became a creep on her social media page okay, a little bit. Okay, so let me pause. <laughs> let me ask some clarifying questions. So Annie, first, how did you find his article? And did you comment on a lot of articles or like what stood out to you about that and what provoked you to actually comment on it? So, um... I would read Tim Challey's blog uh, when I was at work and, you know, I didn't have anything really else to do. And he linked to Sam's blog that hmm. day. And so I just, I read it and I thought, man, I, I tend to be a fearful person as well. And I loved how transparent he was about his fear because I tend to just keep it to myself. And so I just said, I love how transparent you are. Like you're using your gifts for the kingdom. And at the time I didn't really think anything of it. I didn't, I wasn't in the habit of, of um, commenting on people's blogs. So this was a new thing for me. And I don't really know exactly what it is about it that I was like, oh, I have to comment on it. So yeah. really it's just the Lord because uh, it was out of character for me. Yeah. And Samuel, what was it about her particular comment that you were like, okay, I want to get to know this person a little bit more? <laughs> yeah. So I guess it was two parts to that, which is um, she mentioned how when she is uh, fearful, she reads hymns and I love hymns. And I would mm -hmm. do that uh, myself in some ways. Uh, listening to hymns, reading hymns was very big on me. So I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty good. But then I just couldn't see her face. And I really wanted to see her face. I, there was, yeah, I, yeah, I just had a, a, an interest. So I went on her Facebook page, Googled her name, and I looked at many of her pictures. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> and then um, I think I messaged you saying, hey, not to be a creeper or anything, mm -hmm. but I'm the guy, you know, who wrote our article you commented on. Yeah. And uh, you didn't block me right away. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that's how we ended up becoming friends. And eventually we started uh, dating. So y'all just kind of went back and forth messaging on social media. Obviously, she didn't think that you were just a stalker. So that's a that's a good first step. Um, yeah. And y'all actually did have a pretty profound foundation because you knew that you shared the most important thing, and that is the love of Christ. Now, when yeah. when did that actually happen? That was uh, in 2017, actually. 2017. Yeah, 2017. Okay, so it's been a while. Yeah. So tell me what happened after that, Annie. Like, did you guys um, stay friends for a while? When did you realize that this was kind of turning into a romantic relationship? So at the time, I was I was turning 30 that year, and I just assumed, like, I had gone through a couple of months of like, all right, the Lord wants me to be single. Yeah. And that's okay, right? I took a few months of like mourning the idea of having my own family mm. and what it meant to be single. Like, how was I going to use my singleness 
to glorify God and serve in the church. Yeah. And sorry so to interrupt I, you, just to yeah. expound upon that. Um, is that because you had been single for a long time or is that because you had turned 30 that you were kind of mourning and accepting the fact that you might be single for a long time? What kind of caused you to be sad about that and start praying in that way? Sure. Um, I'd never had a boyfriend before. Mm. He's my first boyfriend. And, um, and all of my siblings, I have five other siblings. I have one younger sister who's not married, but all of them are married. They all have children. All of my friends have children. And then they're just like me. And so I was just, you know, I was like, okay, well, I've, in my mind, I'm like, it should have happened by now. And it hasn't. And so there wasn't that pressure of, or that expectation that he would he would be a boyfriend or a romantic interest. Mm. And so we just, we just had a great time talking and it was probably about a month after we started talking that, um, he told me he was, there was somebody in his church who was trying to set him up with somebody else in his church. Oh. And he was like, I wasn't, you know, I'm just not very interested. And I was like, I got on my high horse like that. I was like, why? Do you like, what is it about her? Are you, did you even talk to her? Yeah. Did you even give her a chance? <laughs> right. Like I'm getting on my high horse and he's just like, well, you know, not really. And kind of hedged around it. Yeah. And I was talking to my dad the next day and he was like, Annie, he doesn't want to talk to somebody else because he likes you. <laughs> and I thought, hold up. <laughs> I need to like rethink all of this. Wow. And I thought, well, if he is going out with somebody else, he won't talk to me. And I would really, really miss mm. that. And so we just had like this moment and we just started. I was like, OK, do you like me? Because I think I like you. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> but in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking about that article of him being afraid. Mm. And so I thought, OK, I need to be very aware of that and not push him and allow him to to lead where this relationship is going to go. So wow. he knows that that I like him and I know that he likes me and I need to just be patient and go at his pace. Mm. So, yeah. That's how it all started. So that was 2017. Now, Samuel, tell me your perspective of that. Obviously, you knew that you liked her as soon as you saw her <laughs> picture and you're like, okay, she's not only smart, she's not only godly, she's also <laughs> beautiful. So obviously, you were interested yeah. right from yeah. the start, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I was. But knowing that it was long distance. Yeah, because you're I, in Canada. I, so some people don't know. That. You're in Canada. She's in the United yeah. States. So and yeah. had you guys talked on the phone at this point or, or was this strictly on social media? So I think for maybe a month or two, it was over the phone, but then we transitioned to speaking. Sorry, it was over text, I mean, then yeah. we transitioned to speaking over the phone, um, which was a bit of a hurdle um, for her a little bit. She was not as comfortable immediately. I had to kind of convince her. Um, but but yeah, once but I, I was interested, but I I didn't know what to what to do with it because I was in Toronto or near Toronto and she's in uh, she's near Columbus in Ohio. So I was like, man, that's that long distance, that international dating thing that it, it would be difficult. So I really, I really wasn't quite sure. But it wasn't until I realized that I looked forward to talking to her every day that I thought, you know what, um, I really like her. And, um, you know, I, I want to try to make this happen. 
So yeah. that's how it all it all started. And tell me what it was, and I'm sure there are many other things you could say now that um, attract you to her or just make you love her and want to marry her. But what was it in the beginning that made you just, you know, want to continue talking to her and say, okay, even though this is long distance and it's going to be hard, this is worth it. What were those parts of her personality or y'all's conversations that made you decide that this commitment was something that you wanted to do? Mm. Yeah, well, I... I am um I I don't I'm not someone who likes spending too much time. I didn't even have a phone at the time actually. Really? Which, yeah, I don't like <laughs> I'm a weird millennial, uh yeah. Ali. I I don't like phones. So I but I look forward to talking to her. I, you know, I was a hard I, I I've been for a long time hard to get a hold of, but I wanted her to get a hold of me. I wanted her to be, you know, I wanted to talk to her. Um and that surprised me because I don't usually like, you know, spending time on the phone yeah. and talking to people about about life. So I, I like that. She was a good, she became a good friend of mine. Um, and also just knowing, you know, how different I'm Ghanaian, you know, I'm, I'm in a big city and she is not. And I was fascinated that though we are so different, um, we were able to uh, have a lot of common interest. And that really surprised me. Um, and I was learning things about her, just even things that she would say, she would say things like heavens to Betsy. I'm like, who says that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> who says these things um so little things i was just learning that i i i really appreciated that um so and she was able to take me out of my comfort zone as well too and um you know i just felt comfortable with her that i in a way that i had not felt that comfortable with people that i grew up with and that that really uh made a big impression on me and annie when did you guys meet for the first time in person this is a great story okay. so um, he did not have the paperwork, um, that would allow him to cross the border, okay. but he wanted to meet in person. And so he's like, it was probably, uh, three, three or four months after we started talking that he was like, I'd really like to meet you in person. And I said, you're going to have to talk to my dad about that. And he was like, what? <laughs> like, you're you're, you're 30. Like, do you, do we need to go through this? And I said, yeah, my dad is my, my protector. He's also my pastor. And so he, you know, he, it's his job to protect me. So I said, you're going to have to talk to my dad. And my dad said, yeah, she can come meet you if her mom and I come with her. Wow. And he said, nah, really Samuel. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just remember, Ali, we met because I wrote an article about I am afraid <laughs> of marriage. Yes. Yeah. And now the very first time I'm going to have to meet her is with her parents. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, is, are we going to be, get, are we going to get married in like three months? Is that yeah. what's happening here? <laughs> so uh, it just was too much for me. Yeah. So it took me some convincing. I, but I ended up realizing that, wait a minute, uh, what am I doing here? Um, I remember I was I said to you or maybe to your dad like is this is this a now, I believe in courtship but I was like this is an arranged marriage like well, what's <laughs> happening here I'm um you know it's it's too much for me so I ended up changing my mind and I said wait a minute I'm I'm being stupid I'm being foolish uh, this is an amazing woman and uh, let me just meet her parents and and when I did it was it was great I loved I love her parents and I see God's wisdom in that happening mm -hmm. considering all the issues we had later. Um, it was God's providence, so I'm very glad that happened. And what was that first um, 
what what was that first interaction like? And then where did it go from there? And either of you can answer that. Uh, it was kind of like the movies. Uh, he said, let's meet at this um, Thai restaurant. And so um, my parents were so sweet. They dropped me off so that I could like meet him, meet him in person for the first time by myself. So they went and parked the car. And I remember I walked around the corner and he had chosen this restaurant that had all windows. And I saw him sitting in a seat with all these windows and we make eye contact through the window. He gets up, he walks through the door that I kid you not is framed by like these ivory or um, this ivy uh, plant. And he has this huge smile on his face. He grabs me in this huge hug and he says, more beautiful in person. And I was just like, I'm going to remember this forever. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's so sweet. Samuel, were you so excited? I was very excited, but I also be I was also very terrified, to be honest with you, because I didn't. So I knew she was coming with her parents. So when I saw just her, I'm thinking that her parents are right behind her. And it was very so I was very excited, but I was also like, OK, I want to hold you. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. like your dad is going to be in the corner. Any right minute. There, so I was yeah. like hugging her and then kind of pushing her away. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but no, it was it was it was surreal. It was uh, mm-hmm. it was yeah. But yeah, she, I, I couldn't have imagined you know her being even you were even more beautiful than I thought you would be, and that's Aww. just yeah. That I was yeah. Okay, so that was day. that was 2017 or 18. That was 2017. Yeah, that was still 2017. Okay, yeah. and then tell me how the relationship went from there. Did you see each other several times in person after that, or no? Yeah, we did. We saw each other several times till 2019. Um, I was still having paperwork issues, mostly because I lost all my IDs, which made it very difficult for me to get them back. Um, so I. Yeah, I've given her all my IDs since since I uh, I've been here mm-hmm. uh, because uh, of that. So we started several times in 2019, and then when we were in the process of me um, getting the 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 visa to come here, that's when COVID happened and changed everything. So from 2017 to 2019, we saw each other a few times. But then in 20, but then from, from that year, 2019 till 2021, we didn't see each other for wow. two years Wow! until I saw her in August for the first time since 2019. Mm-hmm. And then I proposed to her. Okay, quick break to tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Masterworks. You guys know inflation is at a 40-year high. Investors are selling stocks like crazy. Volatility is up 50% over the last month, and it could get worse. Goldman Sachs even predicts that five rate hikes could come in the next year alone. So the question is, is your portfolio ready for what's to come? If not, you may want to consider investing in alternative assets like blue chip art. After all, art has a low correlation to the stock market and blue chip art prices outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% for the last 25 years. Diversifying with art, of course, is not new. The ultra wealthy 
likely have done it for centuries. And with Masterworks, you can too. This alternative investment platform lets you buy shares representing an investment in multi-million dollar paintings. Join over 330,000 members and get priority access to Masterworks with my unique link. That's masterworks.art slash Allie. Masterworks.art slash Allie. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. What were those two years like with all the COVID restrictions making it impossible for you guys to see each other? I'm sure it was just so difficult. It was painful. It was, uh, it was very painful. Um, yeah, I, it was hard because everything was difficult, right? Just, and, you know, I know we'll talk about what's been happening in Canada, but things were difficult for the average person. But then doing long distance or international dating, even though we're only separated by seven hours, um, it is, it was very difficult. Um, I, it made it, you know, so I mean, Skype really saved us. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we did as much as we could to watch movies together through Skype share Aww. screen and yeah. um, talk as much as possible. But He would door dash me uh, food on Saturday so that we That's could just so like, sweet. it was it's so adorable. So we could like eat together and watch movies together and just like have a like, virtual date. Mm-hmm. Now, when yeah. he came to visit you in August, did you have a pretty good feeling that he was going to propose or were you totally surprised? Well, so I had to go to Canada. Oh, to oh see, okay. Gotcha. Right. So, and that in itself was so nerve wracking. Mm. We had to get special permission from the government. We had to sign out. We had to sign a paper or fill out a paper that was signed by a lawyer that showed we'd been in a relationship for over a year. Wow. Is this Even, Canada, uh, Canada's restrictions requirements? This is Canada's. Okay. This is Canada's restrictions. So I had to have a negative COVID test. Um, in order to get across the border, I had to go through three border patrol agents. Wow. Um, I had to, <laughs> they had to download their health, aka tracking app. Wow. That showed on my phone where I was the whole time I was in Canada. They called me every other day to make sure I was complying. I had to take two COVID tests while I was there. And if I was found to not be complying. What is complying? Complying with what exactly? So one, yeah. So one uh, thing that uh, uh, we have to mention is she had to quarantine mandatory for uh, 12 or 14 days. Mm which meant that she couldn't leave um, where she was staying. She couldn't leave. So when and she got to she, Canada, she had to quarantine for 12 to 14 days, even though I'm guessing you got a negative test, right? Yes. Okay. And so to, away from you? Um, well, I think the rules were that I could come to you, mm-hmm. but she couldn't leave the premise. Uh, um, she couldn't leave the premises. So now- and Was it like a that, hotel or was it somewhere that they told you that you had to go, Annie? No, no. So I stayed at his house with his mom and he stayed okay. with gotcha. friends of his, but they called me every other day to make sure I was complying. And and they they had the freedom to do random checks um, throughout the time she was staying. And if wow. she, if they found out that she was not at my mother's home, they would take her 
um, into um, I'm forgetting what they called it. But basically, they called it a state mandated facility. Wow! Yeah. Even though you tested negative, yeah, that is yeah. insane. Okay, so you had to do that for 12 to 14 days, and then what was it like after that? You were able to walk around outside. By that time, I had to go home because I had work. Right. <laughs> That's what I was so, wondering. I was like, wow, how long were you there? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what we did was I just left my phone. We we would go out after like 8 o'clock when we were hoping the government would not be checking up on us. Wow. And I would just leave the phone at the house. And just we just had to pray a lot that they wouldn't come to check on me. Yeah. That is insane. And so tell me about... Um, the proposal, Samuel, how you planned for that, how you mm-hmm. talked to her dad. This is, I'm realizing this is a perfect Valentine's episode. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. And so tell me just a little bit about that process and then what the proposal was like. And then Annie, I would love to hear from you, just your reaction. Yeah. So I talked to her dad um, and I, I got his approval. Um, and um, I, I, so I knew, Annie had said to me a long time ago, that she always wanted to get proposed to, or was it married under an oak tree? Mm-hmm. So then I, I uh, knowing that, I did some research into oak trees um, around the area, and I learned that, well, by research, she's laughing at me because I had no ideas what oak trees really <laughs> were. So I had to talk to call all my female friends saying, look, guys, help me out here. Help her brother out. So... They gave me some good advice, and then I got all of our our friends um, that that you know that know her, and we um, they were all hiding in the bushes, uh, like literally hiding in the bushes. And then, um, so since I knew we had to quarantine, the very first day I had to propose to her that very day. I didn't want to be proposing to her, and then the cops show up, and then they stop us or something. So, oh my gosh, what a story! Um, yeah. So um, the very first day, we we I met her at the at the Niagara border, and then we drove to near where we first met. The Thai restaurant is near a nice park. So we, we, got, we, we, um, we parked near the, uh, uh, the area. And then we walked to the park where I had a friend of mine who was a photographer hiding behind the bushes again. And then I just um, did a walk with her. And then I, as we were coming back around, I just stopped in front of her. I went on one knee and I said that, um, I am not afraid anymore. Um, and, uh, <laughs> that is and, so uh, sweet. <laughs> and then I, uh, I, yeah, just proposed to her and then she started uh, crying and all our friends joined us and mm-hmm. we were all uh, full of tears and uh, very happy. Yeah. And oh, uh, that's goodness. what happened. So Annie, what did you, what did you think? I mean, were you surprised? What was that moment like? So I, you know, I had been so anxious leading up to getting to Canada. Yeah. Like I, I drove there. Right. And so mm. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, the whole time that they approved each step for me to come, they kept saying, this is no guarantee. We'll let you across the border. So when I finally got through th- the three border patrol agents, I was so relieved. Yeah. I was just yeah. like, I was just a bucket of, of tears because yeah. I'm like, Okay, we finally are together. We hadn't seen each other in two years. You know, I I was just so incredibly relieved. Yeah. That I wasn't thinking about it too much earlier 
I thought Niagara is a perfect place for him to propose. Mm. And when we had stopped to like get some water or whatever, I thought like, wait, he didn't propose at Niagara. (laughs) And I thought, wait a minute, if he's not going to propose at all, I just might as well turn around and go home Mm. because I don't, you know, I was just like, and then I thought he's way more romantic than I am. He probably has something planned. Yeah. Um, So when we drove to uh, the Toronto area and it started to dawn on me. I was like, wait, I recognize these places. Like, isn't that the place where we had our first date? And then we were walking around the park and I thought, isn't that where we sat on our first date? Like things were starting to click. And then um, when he stopped me and he said, Annie, I have something to ask you. Then that's when I was like, oh my word, are you for real? And I'd always told myself I wasn't going to be one of those girls who just like started crying and would like, you know, put their hands over their face. I didn't want to be typical. And I was totally typical. Yeah. It's just how it goes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so fun. And then when, how quickly did you then have to, um, have to go home after that? Like when did that fall within the trip? Uh, you mean back to Ohio? Yes. Yeah. So um, I actually left a couple of days earlier than I had planned for for lots of reasons. A lot of it had to do with I was it was I was very anxious. You know, I was like, they're going to show up at some point because, you know, the Lord had put so many hurdles in front of us that I was just like, it will help me to grow, but I'd rather not go to a state mandated facility. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was, it, it was, and I tried not to, to, um, let him know how fearful I was at the time, how anxious I was. Um, and my family was pretty anxious too. And, yeah. and so I, I think it was probably nine or 10 days that I left wow. after getting there. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was a good trip, but it was also, you know, it was bittersweet, you know, it, yeah. was, it was lots of emotions, lots of emotions. Yes. And at that point, you guys probably hadn't necessarily picked a date for the wedding because you just didn't know, right, what it was going to take. And so speaking of hurdles, let's talk about some of the hurdles, Samuel, that you had to jump over in order to get to Annie in the States, because I know even up until like a couple weeks ago, things were kind of up in the air, right? Yeah, man. Um, about the wedding day, people kept asking me when. I said, I don't know. Um, we have dates in mind, but it depends on what happens with the visa. So essentially, um, so even to get my, so what's happening is in the visa process right now in Canada is this. Um, it's very hard to get an appointment for mm. to, for the visa because of COVID restrictions and everything. And um, as you know, with the vaccine mandates, to leave the country, I had to get COVID. I did not want to get COVID. I was really sorry. I had to get the vaccine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I had to really wrestle with myself and my conscience and my theology and everything. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, I had to, you know, make the choice that while I absolutely despise um, being forced and being in that position, Annie is worth it. I, lo- I love Annie and I will get 
um, the uh, the vaccine for her. And you really didn't the- want it. Like you really didn't because you had had COVID and, you know, you had talked a lot about being unvaccinated. And so I'm sure even though as much as you love Annie, it was probably a tough decision. I mean, it was just yeah. tough to actually follow through with. Right. Absolutely. I actually got the vaccine the day after uh, I had um, after I, I had COVID. Yeah. Uh, I had gotten over COVID, which made me even more concerned about the potential health issues. Yeah. Um, so I, I got it. And then finally, I, I had, the, um, I, I had the, the appointment, which was all the way in Calgary, the other side of the country. Mm-hmm. The reason why is because the Toronto embassy, uh, the U.S. embassy in Toronto, was essentially closed, has been essentially closed for the last two years, wow. which is one of the reasons why I couldn't come over the last couple of years. So... I go to uh, Calgary. They approve me. Um, they approve the, the visa. I get back. Then the next day or two, they send me an email saying um, there is a snag. Essentially, that's because 22 years ago, uh, my mom and I we were in a very difficult position. We were in a shelter for abused women. My my stepfather uh, had abused my mom, and for that reason, we were uh, forced into. Uh, shelter uh, for our protection. And then while I was there 22 years ago, when I was uh, a little boy, um, I had a special trip from the shelter to go to Disney World. And um, when I went to, so that was 22 years ago, the embassy in Calgary told me that they couldn't go forward with the visa until I would show them proof of my trip to the Disney World. Did they explain why? They said because I didn't have a visa at the time um, when I went to Disney World, which makes no sense because I was legally approved yeah. by the border agents. I mean, I was a kid. I don't remember everything, but I couldn't yeah. have gone, gotten yet. Um, and then I tried to get a hold of them after that, but it was hard for me to get a hold of them. So that really, that was terrifying because yeah. now I'm like, oh man, like, what do we do? So And how, how did they expect you to provide proof? Annie reached out to me, um, you know, when this was happening, um, telling me about this. And it just sounded completely illogical. I mean, 22 years ago, what, were you supposed to save, like, the paper plane ticket that you had? What did they expect of you? That was one thing that they said. Yeah, they said either my flight ticket um, or, yeah, from 22 years ago or... Uh, the Disney World ticket um, or a letter from the organization, a letter from the organizers of the trip. But the problem is, well, shelters are rightly very secretive and private, right? Because yeah. they're meant to protect the women. So for me to even get a hold of them after all this time seemed impossible. So that really scared me because I was like, I don't think I can ever really find evidence of this trip. So um, that made it very difficult knowing we were finally so close and then now we seem so far away. So um, we made then calls to, I think it's okay with us saying this, uh, yeah. we made calls to uh, Jim Jordan's office yeah. because that's Annie's congressman. And um, they, man, they've been so good to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm <laughs> just, uh, yeah, Annie and I wept um, just knowing how much they were so, they were so kind to us. They're wonderful staffers. I've worked with them multiple times in different ways. And he's great, but... Um, his staff has always just been so kind. And so I'm so glad to hear that they were yeah. that way to you so, guys too. Yeah. Basically all she did, uh, all the, the staffer did was call the embassy to say, wait a minute, there's a, there's a statute of limitations of 10 years mm. 
for these kind of things. And just by saying that, saying, look, you're not being fair to Sam, you're not being fair to him. They said, you know what? We have everything we need. We will go wow. forward with the process. So, so I wonder what the motivation was. I mean, it's hard for me not to think that it's a little political. You're very outspoken about your views that they would consider, you know, conservative views. And so it's kind of hard for me not to think that that could have been part of it. I don't know. Yeah, Andy and I both considered that. It was very difficult. There are certain things that I would sometimes wonder, should I say this publicly, knowing that we were in the process of yeah. getting this visa? Um, and it seems it seems very possible that that could have played a role in all of the troubles that we've had. Yeah, because before that, he was working with the, the pro-life organization, CCBR. Yeah. And, um, you know, even even before all of this, they kept putting off the visa process. On their website, it says you can have your visa within 90 days. Mm. And he had applied in October of 2018. And it was just, he would call them and it was like, well, it's still in process. It's still in process. I mean, it was just a constant, it's still in process. Wow. And there were there was more than one time that I thought, well, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder if it's because of his views. I wonder yeah. if it's, you know, because they don't like what they, what he is saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put anything, I wouldn't put anything past them, unfortunately, but I mean, thank the Lord, praise the Lord that everything ended up working out and that now you're there in the United States together. Um, what is the, like, are you here for good? What's the process from here on out? I know you guys are planning on getting married in a couple months. Um, what does it look like for you, though, staying together in the States? Yeah, the the uh, plan is that I'll be uh, staying in Ohio uh, for good. Um, and, um, you know, where when we get married, we'll, we'll be, um, yeah, just, you know, finally being able to stay together, live together. Uh, after all these all this time, it's very exciting. Um, so exciting! You know, all of our dreams have come true. So, yeah, that's that's the plan. We're getting married on on. Uh, <laughs> we're getting married in uh, April, uh, April twenty third. Oh and, my goodness! Uh, yeah, it's 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 surreal to me in many ways. Just this morning, I saw her, and I was just just kind of <laughs> dancing and being silly. She's like, "What's going on with you?" I'm just, I'm just happy that I can wake up in the morning and and then um, you know I'm staying somewhere else and she's staying elsewhere, but then. I just see her, and then we uh, we can just you know be a couple. Be we're gonna have our we're gonna have our first Valentine's Day um, you know time together. together. We've always had to celebrate it you know apart, but right. now we can finally celebrate it together. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, that's amazing! Well, I am so happy for you guys, and I've loved just seeing your relationship and also just how you guys have remained so joyful and so steadfast um, amidst what has been probably the happiest and the hardest. I mean, I, I can't say the hardest time of your lives, but maybe one of the most difficult times of your lives. I mean, waiting is difficult, and I'm sure it, at some points the waiting seemed indefinite and it was probably difficult to understand why the lord was doing what he was doing can Mm -hmm. both of you individually just kind of give some advice to people who maybe they're in a similar position as you guys or maybe they're just in a period of waiting and not understanding why the lord seems to be 
putting obstacles in front of what is a good thing. Marriage, you guys being together is a good thing. And yet it was not an easy road. And in a lot of different ways, people find themselves in a similar position. And maybe they're even questioning the Lord's goodness or faithfulness to them. Can you both just give kind of a word of encouragement to people who might be feeling the same way in a similar position? Yeah, it's it was very, very difficult. The first couple of years, especially, where it was like, is this the right thing to do? Is the Lord telling me that I that we shouldn't be together or I shouldn't be waiting? Um, and I, you know, something that he helped me with a lot is, are you waiting for Jesus the way that you're waiting for me? Are you waiting for the Lord coming back the way that you're waiting for me? That was a huge, like, game changer for me. Because it put things into perspective. I need to be waiting for the Lord the way that I'm waiting for him. And one of the big things that we learned is to think about God's promises, how God has kept his promises throughout this whole time. Mm. Um, When he got here, he got a series of letters that I think it's like over 120 pages of, of me just writing to him over the last few years about remember when this happened, this is why you're not here yet. Mm. This is why you're not here for him and also why you're not here for me. I was able to open my home to a girl who needed a place to live. Um, she's 18 and in a hard, hard home and it wouldn't have been possible if he had been here, right? So things like that, they could have been big things. Some of them were little things that kept us remembering why we were apart and that it was God's, uh, it was for God's glory and our good. And it was, that is what made us joyful. And that is what made us, um, you know, be together for as long Mm -hmm. as we were, Mm because we do not recommend five years of dating. (laughs) Yeah. In general, if you can avoid it, um, not your first recommendation understood. Well, thank you so much. And Samuel, what would you say? Yeah, I would say one of the things that I'm so grateful for, and it sounds weird, uh, we, it's it's shocking. It's weird for us that it's been five years, um, but yet we are gratefully thankful for them because it's built our character. And I know for a fact, and I said this to Annie, that given my fears of marriage, <laughs> um, I think God used those five years to to kill that fear, mm. because. If seeing those five years, seeing the adversity we've had to overcome, mm-hmm. I have because I was very afraid because, you know, my father um, left before I was born because of adversity. Uh, he left my mother and me uh, before I was born. And I've always been afraid that what if I do that, too, when I get married? But, you know, over the last five years, we've had so much adversity, but uh, we've not left each other. Uh, we've had some very, very difficult moments, mm-hmm. um, individually together, but yet we've stuck together. And, you know, leaving, I'm, I'm about to, uh, I'm, you know, leaving my, my, my mom, who I'm very, very close to. Um, and that's hard. She's a single mother and she's, you know, struggling, accepting that I'm leaving. And that was hard. But you know what? If I had left a year or two before, um, I mean, during our relationship, it would have been even harder for me to, to cleave to you knowing how close I am to my mom. 
So over the last five years, God has used the difficulty to really um, kill a lot of the um, the sins and the um, the insecurities and fears that I had to ma- help me to become a better man and hopefully a better husband uh, for Annie. Yeah, and you know, we probably don't even know everything that God is going to use this difficult waiting period for. Who knows what you're going to endure throughout your lives and throughout your marriage together that you'll still be able to look back at the time that you guys were dating and everything you went through together and say, wow, God started teaching us the lesson that is helping us now way back in 2018 or 2019 or whenever it was. And so, I mean, the Lord's glory seems to just kind of work like that. It doesn't necessarily reveal itself all at once, and He doesn't always promise to give us the answers for our whys. But very often, He shows us that kind of shimmer of light that gives us clarity on something that was just confounding us at the time. And then maybe it's 20 years later, we look back and say, wow, I really Mm -hmm. am seeing how the Lord is using this, as you said, Annie, for his glory and our good. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. for just the testimony that you guys already have, but will continue to have for the rest of your lives. Really, the story that has already been written between you guys is... um, is going to last, like its impact is going to last. And then who knows the wonderful things that the Lord is going to do through you guys as you guys are married. So I'm really excited about that. All right, another break to tell you guys about our second sponsor. That is Patriot Mobile. You guys know there's a full scale assault on truth and your right to speak it right now. That is why I'm proud to partner with Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. And I want you to as well. They're never going to take the money that you give them and then give it to companies, organizations that are fighting against your values like free speech. Unfortunately, many other cell phone providers or uh, coverage providers do that. You don't have to worry about that with Patriot Mobile. They offer broad nationwide coverage. In fact, they use the same towers as all of the major carriers so you get the same great service. But they've got plans to fit any budget and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer support. More importantly, Patriot Mobile shares your values, supports organizations that are fighting for the things that you hold dear. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie or call 972-PATRIOT and get free activation with the offer code Allie. They also have special discounts for veterans and first responders. So check that out. Patriotmobile.com slash Allie, patriotmobile.com slash Allie. This is like such a strange way to shift gears, and we won't spend quite as much time on this <laughs> second part of the interview. But I did want to talk to you, Samuel, and of course, Annie, you can always step in and give your opinion on this. But since you are Canadian, Samuel, I want to talk about um, some of the things that are going on in Canada right now, in particular with this um, Freedom Convoy. And actually, before I get your take, I'm going to play a montage of how the media is portraying what's going on in Canada with this truckers convoy. And you can tell me if you think the media is correct in their assessment. Sedition, insurrection, a threat to democracy. This city is under siege. They are now calling it an occupation. Alarming situation there in Ottawa. The police chief is calling it a nationwide insurrection 
driven by madness. This is kind of our insurrection by air horn moment. It's, I think it's part of the globalization of Trumpism. Canadians know where I stand. There hasn't been as much violence as some had perhaps projected, but that does not necessarily mean that it has been peaceful. Reports of severe vandalism and criminal behavior. Streets are clogged. The honking is incessant and deafening. This pandemic has sucked for all Canadians. Residents that I have spoken to who say they feel terrorized intimidated. Residents say they feel like hostages. Residents in that area say that they are being held hostage, that this freedom has essentially, this freedom convoy, as they call it, has essentially imposed a lockdown on them. Oh, my goodness. So there's a lot. And there's obviously, um, you know, Trudeau has said in the past that these people hold unacceptable views. He said that they are misogynist, they're racist, they're white supremacists. And so I would just love to hear your response to that, Samuel, as someone who is on the side of freedom and who is a Canadian. <laughs> it's it's absurd. Um, so much so that uh, most Canadians now are at least maybe at least half of Canadians are on the side of the uh, the truckers because they know it's all lies. This is nowhere near violent. It's that is the most bold faced lie out there. In fact, it's been shockingly nonviolent. Um, many of us were expecting that you'd have a small group of people out there who might cause trouble. There's been none of that. There have been, I think, seven total arrests um, over the last two weeks, and they've not been for any kind of violence. They've been for um, things like uh, licenses being suspended or honking horns, uh, which is now uh, illegal in uh, Ottawa. It's been for very minor things that really is just a way for the for the police to just try to trouble um, the the uh, protesters. But there's been no violence whatsoever. And the white supremacy aspect is all lies. It's actually quite offensive because I have friends there. Many of them are not white who are there. I have white friends there and they are not white supremacists. Um, this whole thing is just, you know, part of their playbook to try to paint anybody that they don't agree with as white supremacists because they know Canadians or Americans or everyone around the world hates white supremacy. So if they say that, they think, frankly, uh, to be to be very blunt, they think black Canadians and black people are stupid enough that if they say that this thing is white supremacy, they will say, oh, that's that, then it has to be true then. They don't think that we can think for ourselves. Um, and the thing is this, mo not only are half of Canadians supporting the vax, uh, supporting the truckers, the, the majority of black Canadians are supporting the truckers because mm -hmm. they have been the most, we have been the most affected with um, the vaccine mandates out there. So the media, of course, is lying and they're, uh, but unfortunately it's not surprising. This is according to the Ottawa Citizen saying police had had so far made 23 arrests, issued more than 1,300 tickets, were conducting 79 criminal investigations in connection with the demonstrations. That's what the Ottawa police have said. They had also seized fuel and cut off material, financial and logistical support to the occupation. And so they they got GoFundMe. They pressured GoFundMe. They admitted this on Twitter um, to ensure that the donations that, you know, average citizens, people in the United States, people in Canada, probably worldwide, had donated. I think the average donation amount was like $70. So we're not yeah. talking about like these huge billionaires, these political activists or organizations that are funding this. These are just average people, also tired of the mandates, vaccinated, unvaccinated, liberal, Republican, doesn't matter, um, who just wanted to support these truckers and the peaceful protesters there. Ottawa police said no. GoFundMe said OK. And now they're saying this other funding organization, Give, Send, Go, which has said they're a Christian organization. They've said, yeah, yeah, we're on the side of, of liberty.
Uh, they are now saying the Ottawa police and the Canadian government is saying that they are going to try to somehow stifle the attempts of people who donated through gifts and go to be able to support these protesters. Uh, This article also says police have warned of arrests and charges for anyone transporting diesel and other fuels to demonstrators downtown who are idling their trucks to keep warm. But protesters are finding ways to bring it in. They have begun filling gas cans with water, distracting officers or otherwise attempting to subvert our Efforts. I mean, this is a stunning use of police power to try to thwart people's right to protest. Yeah, it is. It's. I'll be honest with you. Before this interview, um, I was in tears because um, I'm. I'm very sad about what's happening in my country. Um, Canada has been authorit- You know, authoritarian for a while, especially over the last couple of years. But in response to these truckers it's been shocking what's happening yeah. um, in, including some of the supposedly conservative politicians in canada um it's it's, it's difficult um what's encouraging though is um a growing majority not not the fringe um, but a growing majority of canadians are finally fed up and that's in part because people are prank uh, i have man the stories i could share with you about what's happening there i i have friends there who are sharing the gospel uh, to people and they are listening. People are praying. You have Bible studies going on there. You have you have wives and children who've not seen their husbands or fathers for the last two weeks driving across the country to go see their husbands and to encourage them to stay there because they're protecting their their wives and their children. Uh, so I don't mean to get emotional, but it's okay. You know, um, you know, people. So so I can imagine how hard it is for a family for them to not see. The, you know, the leader of the home for so long, and yet they know they're trying to just protect their families and to protect Canada because it is shocking what's happening. The misrepresentation of the people who are there has really been painful to watch because like you said, I mean, of course, you're going to have bad actors and you're going to have people who unfortunately don't represent the true mission of any movement. That that can just happen. But the attempt of the media, which, you know, we're so used to in the United States to take a few people or to take one or two kind of rogue actors in actions and say that this is representative of the tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands of people who are peacefully demonstrating and protesting for good means. Um, It's really hurtful. It's really painful. I mean, I've seen several interviews. You're talking pastors. You're talking just, you know, your average working class person, fathers, children, mothers, um, really just so genuine and sincere in their effort to push back against mandates that have really hurt people's lives and livelihoods. That's what it's about. What's been stunning to me, I say stunning. No, it hasn't been stunning. It's been very predictable. Um, Seeing people here in the left in the United States who they call themselves pro-worker. And actually, when the BLM and Antifa riots were happening and the looting was happening, which I would argue was totally disconnected from anything that happened with Mm -hmm. the police, they were just taking the opportunity to do so. You had them saying, well, riots are the voice of the unheard. And even the violence, the assaults, the murders, um, the arson that was happening here in the United States were excused by many people on the left saying this is a pro-worker anti-capitalist, anti-police state revolution. Well, now you have peaceful demonstrators who are Mm -hmm. using uh, peaceful means to push back actual uh, against actual 
tyranny and you're not hearing well protests or the voice of the unheard of her uh, of the unheard you're actually hearing that that's a form of fascism the protests for mm-hmm. liberty are a form of fascism so the pro-worker socialists here in the united states who think that there needs to be a proletariat revolution against capitalism they're watching this pro-worker revolution and protests happen in canada and they're saying no that's fascism that's incredible yeah. 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 That's because these socialists, they don't love protest or freedom of speech or liberty. Right. They want statism. They want Mm -hmm. they want authoritarianism. They want communism, which is why they support Antifa or Black Lives Matter. But even if a proletariat, even if uh, the the, um, um, even if the working class is getting harmed significantly by these mandates and they're fed up and they're peacefully protesting because they are not status, because they are not um, um, protesting for authoritarianism, because they are protesting for freedom and liberty, which goes against socialism and communism, then they stand against them. And it, one of the things that's been very encouraging is this is an anti-elitist movement. These mm. truckers, they're not the intellectuals. They're not the experts, yeah. right? They are just people who are trying to protect their families and their country. Mm-hmm. And that is why the media, in part, hates them so much. Because they're not one of their own, right? They're not the 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 guys in the media or the or, or big pharma pushing a lot of these mandates. It's just people, the average person who can speak for the average person saying no, enough is enough. And that's why so many Canadians are standing are standing up for them as well too. Yep. And there I, I just saw a report that there are farmers actually who are now taking part of the protest. They've got their tractors. They're doing the same thing. The big story, of course, is that the Ambassador Bridge, which is a key trading link between the United States and Canada, is temporarily closed because of these protests um, against these vaccine mandates and other restrictions. And so now you've got Americans um, who are kind of upset about this, angry about this. But Again, I just go back to so much of the hypocrisy. I mean, we have seen much, I mean, violent protests here in the United States for causes that I don't agree with that are doing more than inconveniencing, doing more than stopping supplies, but actually ruining whole communities and the very same people that are angry about the, you know, this bridge being congested or in a gridlock were defending. I mean, the absolute decimation of cities here in the United States it's it's not hard for me to understand because Samuel it goes back to what you said. They're for one cause. They're not for the cause of liberty. And so they're okay when it's violence and inconvenience and all of that stuff on the other side, but not on the side of liberty. Now, are you hopeful? Because we have seen some provinces, we've, we've seen them roll back some restrictions or at least say that they're going to. Now, Saskatchewan, I've heard is more rural. They're more conservative. So it was kind of expected for that to happen there. But then you've got Alberta and you've got some other places in Canada saying that they're going to lift these restrictions. Are you optimistic that the change is going to happen or are you a little bit cynical that these politicians are being sincere? I'm cynical yet optimistic. I'm cynical because they're only not doing this because they really believe that the mandates are wrong. They're doing this because there are elections coming up and they're seeing that. See, Ali, this this whole thing has been shocking to me in terms of the um, the protests because Canadians are this is the biggest protest in Canadian history. Yeah. We are very 
Wow. A compliant nation. Yes. I mean, remember, we are we are the loyalists, right? We said, no, not like those Americans. We will stay yeah. loyal to you, Britain. In fact, Britain had to tell us, guys, please go make your own country. That's yeah. how we became an independent nation. So for this to be happening is <laughs> That's so encouraging. Funny. That's funny. I haven't yeah. thought about that. I mean, I know that, you know, Canadian attitude is more compliant, but I hadn't thought about, you know, that historical <laughs> aspect. Yeah. So this is encouraging knowing that Canadians are finally fed up. And that just goes to show how bad things are for Canadians to say, no way, no more. Um, so it's encouraging. And even in Saskatchewan, that's very encouraging. That is a, the, the, the premier there is very sincere. Alberta, Jason Kenney, I don't, I, I don't think he's sincere because um, he's, he's still going to keep a form of the mandates around. He's just... Um, seemingly just kind of virtue signaling right now because he knows as a conservative uh, premier that his job might be in trouble because Canadians are finally fed up, at least conservatives are finally fed up. In Ontario, um, I'm hearing that today the premier will be announcing an end to the vaccine mandates as well too. The problem is at the same time, he's announced that he's going to make the emergency powers that they've received for the last two years more permanent. So, which is pretty scary They've been able to destroy our, our, our civil liberties because of the emergency powers. And he's just said now they're going to try to implement it into law. So it's, it's bittersweet wow. that it's encouraging knowing that, there's, that they, they know that there's pressure against them now. But yet it's hard to believe they will simply let go of their power that easily. People will remember because we interviewed Aaron Coates when her husband was in jail for preaching. We also interviewed James Coates when he um, got out of jail. And I mean, some of these conservative uh, and I use scare quotes for people that are listening to this uh, leaders in Canada, they were silent about it. They had the power to do something and they really didn't. Again, it took so much pushback, not just from people in Canada, but also from people in the United States saying, mm -hmm. you can't do that. Um, yeah. And now it seems like the same kind of thing is happening. Not that it was America that motivated the trucker convoy. Maybe some Canadians think that, um, but it is it seems like it takes the combined voices of Americans and Canadians to kind of really push back against what's happening in Canada. And I wonder, Samuel, if you think that at some point, Justin Trudeau and all of his crazy cowardice is going to budge on this. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, quickly about the American influence. Yes. I think America has influenced this in a brief way. You know, so when Annie came to visit uh, Canada just six months ago, she she was in shock about what was happening because, in a sense, at least in Ohio, you guys kind of moved on from the you know the COVID really in a summer of 2020. Yeah, yeah. we are so Ontario right now is still under lockdown. Still, Insane. and so we've had four lockdowns already. So I think when Canadians see what's happening in America, that you guys have mostly moved on. Some democratic states are still, you know, hanging on to it. And they, I think this week they're trying to move away from that now. But still, when we see that stadiums are full and everything, it's like, wait a minute, why are we still doing this? So I think that's been the real influence from America in that way. I also think uh, what, what happened with James Coates really galvanized a lot yeah. of Christians start praying yeah. uh, we don't know what we don't know God's problems we don't know everything but I think in heaven I would not be surprised if we see all the prayers that the church mm. has been 
doing is one of the reasons why this has started. I know Aaron, Aaron Coates has mentioned this. And I think even the nonviolent nature of this, people are praying. And I think that's yeah. a big part of this. In terms of Justin Trudeau, well, he so far, three of, of three of the members of the Liberal Party have are now dissenting, saying that he's being divisive and that he needs to come up with a plan to end the vaccine mandates. That's pretty big. Yeah. That's, so I think that pressure from Canadians, the Conservative Party, and then um, now the three liberals who are dissenting against his own policies is putting pressure on him. That I think eventually, I don't know when, but I think it will get worse before it gets better. I'm no, I, I have, I'm very comfortable about that. But I think eventually he will relent and he will end the vaccine mandates. Except he will blame. He will say it's science that's making him do so yeah. instead of. Um, the, the convoy um, um, being the reason why yeah. he is vaccine mandates. You know, it's so interesting how liberals in Canada and liberals in the United States and really just liberals abroad, they seem to be like in lockstep. I don't know if they have like the same email of talking points that comes out every morning, but we're saying we're seeing the same thing here in the States, obviously, that all of a sudden they're saying, oh, yeah, we don't need to do mask mandates anymore. Maybe no vaccine mandates either because the science has changed. Of course, yeah. just like they've done over the past two years, they never tell us the science that has actually motivated their change in policy. And on Thursday, we interviewed someone who was a part of the Trump White House and the COVID task force. And he was talking about how Anthony Fauci, Deborah Burks, and the rest of them, they actually never brought any scientific literature to any meetings whatsoever to say, hey, this is why we think we should be masking children. The same thing happens with the CDC. There have been journalists here who have tried to reach out to the CDC and say, hey, can you show us the data behind why we are masking two-year-olds when the WHO doesn't even recommend that when countries around the world aren't doing that? The CDC has never responded with any kind of science. And yet you have an entire political party here who thinks they have a monopoly on science. It's not scientific at all. But the playbook, it just seems universal. Democrats here are doing the same thing. They're going to say, oh, yeah, it was the science. Please vote for us in the midterms. Same kind of thing happening. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, uh, so the catalyst for the freedom uh, convoy was really that it was the latest update to the vaccine mandates here. We've had the vaccine mandates since the fall here. But what started the whole thing was um, they they forced Canadian truckers to have to be vaccinated before they could cross the border. Right. And that's what really changed things. Now, I mentioned that because when they introduced that update, um, conservative asked them, what's the science behind this? Right. How are truckers going to be, you know, going to be uh, uh, infecting other people? And they could not, they truly did not have an answer. They didn't. So the science is clearly on, it's not on their side, but yet they will they'll point to that. I'm guessing that as it gets warmer and then um, you have more COVID cases going down, then they will, they will point to the lower cases to say, well, here's why we should end the vaccine mandates. Hmm. Although that's been, that's been true for the last two years anyway, right. but they've still been maintaining them. Yeah. And there's really no data showing if you show the most vaccinated countries around the world or countries that have had mask mandates, there's really no significant difference in um, case counts uh, in countries that didn't have any vaccine mandates. So 
yeah, it's really interesting. I don't know if we'll ever know really what's going on behind the scenes. I think that there's a lot that we could get into and yep. speculate about that. Um, but I appreciate you guys so much. I appreciate your voice, Samuel. I appreciate everything you do, Annie, and for taking the time to come on and uh, tell us your story. I know people are going to love this and also just pushing for liberty and basic human rights. Uh, we've seen that it actually takes us beating the same drum for years in order for the government to catch up and say, oh, yeah, okay, people are pushing back against this. Maybe we should finally listen to them. And it takes compliant Canadians to wake up and say, oh, freedom is a good thing and push back against that. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I am, too. I, I Just this morning, I saw pictures of uh, the convoy in, uh, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that was very encouraging to think that Canadians could be the catalyst um, for, um, you know, for making the movement to protest against vaccine mandates even bigger is very encouraging, uh, very, very encouraging. Because who would have thought we Canadians uh, might, might play a big role in supporting freedom. Leading uh, that- the world in freedom. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, God bless you both. And um, congratulations on marriage. Just a couple more months. Marriage is awesome. I know that you guys already know that, but it truly is. I mean, it's just wonderful. And I'm so excited for you guys. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Thank you so much, Ali. We love you. We're very grateful for you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Last sponsor for the day is a company that you guys know and love. I know and love them. That is Carly Jean Los Angeles. They are a Los Angeles-based capsule clothing company that does not have Los Angeles political and moral values. Thankfully, Carly Jean, who runs the company, she is an awesome person. She's a Christian. So you can just feel really good about giving your money to this company. Not only do I absolutely, genuinely love their clothes. You guys know I'm wearing it almost every single day on this show. But I also love knowing that I am supporting a company that is not going to turn around and send money to organizations like Planned Parenthood. Unfortunately, a lot of other very trendy clothing companies do exactly that. You don't have to worry about that when you're supporting Carly Jean Los Angeles. And if you're like me, if you have kind of a simple style, you like to be able to wear the same pieces year round, you're looking for comfort, but you also want to look good and put together, Carly Jean Los Angeles is the perfect shop for you. I genuinely love them. All of the people that I've talked to and worked with there are just so kind. So it's really just a win-win. You can look good and you can feel good about looking good. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. When you do, you can use code Allie B and you'll save 20% off your first order of anything in their online store. That's CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, promo code Allie B. CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com, promo code Allie B. Okay, guys, I know you loved that conversation. I did too. All right, you guys may know my birthday is on Friday. We're going to have a bonus birthday episode. I'm turning 30. There is There are a couple things that I want to remind you of that I talked about on Instagram. I am partnering with the Pregnancy Center down in Texas. I've partnered with them before and they really need donations. They need big donations. They're, they need cribs. They need pack and plays. They need um, they need car seats, but they also need the normal stuff like diapers and onesies and pacifiers and things like that. They serve women in crisis, women in need who are choosing life 
for their babies. I've met a lot of these women. They are wonderful. They come to this center. They get a free ultrasound, uh, pregnancy tests, parenting classes, education courses, all that stuff. This center is truly doing the Lord's work and disproving the myth that pro-lifers are just pro birth. And I love this center and everything that they are doing. We have uh, sent them a lot of things in the past, thousands and thousands of items. So they've got an Amazon registry that is available for you guys to click on. I'll put it in the description of this episode. I'll post it on Instagram again. And you can go and you can just donate an item. You can also donate money toward a big item like a crib. So if you don't want to pay the 300 or whatever dollars for a crib, you can just donate $50 towards that. And that really does help. And so this is just kind of something that I do for my birthdays. And I think I've also done it both pregnancies too. And it's an easy way to put your money where your mouth is and really make a significant difference for this. All right. I've got one more thing to say, and that is I want your voicemails for Friday too, for our bonus episode, which is going to be a really fun episode. So I'm going to be talking about life things and turning 30 and all of that. There'll be something for everyone. Uh, but I want, I want, if you are 30 plus, send me your advice, not just for me, but for the audience, just life advice that you've gotten that you've really appreciated um, or something that you learned in your 20s, advice that you have either for me going into my 30s or life advice for people in their 20s. I'll be doing a lot of that too. Um, call 682-503-1369. Leave a voicemail. I can't play all of them. I would love to. I appreciate every single voicemail, but I'll just play a few of them on Friday. That's 682-503-1369. 682-503-1369. All right. That's all we've got for today. I will see you guys back here tomorrow.